welcome this morning. Thank you, Reagan. You did a great job. We welcome everybody here this morning uh, that's in worship with us on this last Sunday before Christmas. Welcome to those on watching on Facebook or listening live on the radio. A few announcements this morning before we get started. Our candlelight Christmas service begins at 7.30 here in the sanctuary. They will be also live streaming on our Facebook page for those who can't be here in person. The giving tree in the Heritage Room has, still has tags on it, and there's still time to take one. You can bring those back to the church or the office through the end of the year. Next Sunday, we are happy to have Coach Carl Latham back with us. He will be sharing a little about his new ministry and also share the message with us. Now, if you would join me and rise for the call to worship from page 130 in the Blue Hymnals, and then we will go right into singing the hymns. They're marked in the bulletin. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory Glory to God in the highest, and on peace, goodwill to men.
this time we welcome all the children forward for children's chat with Carolyn, and also the choir members can start milling this way. here. Don't be shy. Oh, it's almost time, isn't it? Huh? Almost time for what? Christmas. Christmas. That is right. Almost time for Christmas. And Christmas is about love, isn't it? God's love for us. And he gave his son because he loved us so much. Yeah. And do you love candy canes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that woke you up, didn't it? You love candy canes? Yeah. I already have two of them. You have two? Oh, well, then you don't need any more. Right? If you have two already. Do you like hot chocolate? Oh, that's all kind of special this time of year, isn't it? Well, I made myself some hot chocolate today. See if I can do this without spilling it. And I have a candy cane that the top broke off of, of course. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of been my morning, yeah. So let's pretend this cup of hot cocoa are you guys, okay? That's your warm heart. It's you guys, huh? See, I got hot chocolate in there, don't I, huh? Mmm, mmm. Now, let's pretend that this candy cane is God's love. And if I put that candy cane in this hot chocolate, what's the candy cane going to do? It will break. It didn't listen to the lesson very well, did it? So, we put it in here. It is going to melt. Now, what's that going to do to the hot chocolate? Well, I don't know if it will make it colored. Then I kind of question what kind of gains we have. But I think, I think the stripes are fading. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what are candy canes made of? Candy. <laughs> Sugar? Yeah. Oh, look at that. The stripes are going away. I bet the one that's falling in the bottom has about lost his stripes already. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, this is God's love. And he loves... To stir his love inside of us. And his love will melt right inside of us, won't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm losing my stripes. Can you see that? Yeah. I'm losing my stripes. Mm, let's see what it tastes like. Mm, a little too hot. <laughs> sweet. Sweet. That love makes us sweet on the inside. <gasps> look, I'm losing them. I think we'll just drop him in there. So we, if we are close to God and keep ourselves really close to God, he's going to make us sweeter and we can share his love with everyone because God shows his love to us every day. So the next time you have hot chocolate or you see somebody with hot chocolate and a candy cane, you can tell them what? The candy cane is God's love. And then stir it inside their heart so there's love every place. Let us say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, 
As we prepare our hearts for Christmas, help us to love one another, for love does come from you, God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Thank you for your greatest gift of all, the love you showed in your son, Jesus Christ, who came to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I have praise. You can take two of these and share, okay? You can take two. I have a sister, too. Yes, I know. You have two sisters. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you, Carolyn, for that amazing children's chat. And as those kids grab their goodies and head back to their seats, uh, we get to uh, be blessed by some special music from the choir again this morning.
God, thank you, choir. At this time, I want to invite forward Bill and Diane Peel for our Advent reading this morning. we gather around the Advent wreath today, we rejoice that Christmas is a time of prayer and of open hearts when we sing songs of joy. Christmas is a time of worship, the moment when the busiest of us pause and wander. Christmas happens when God comes to us in love through Jesus Christ and fills us with love for all people. Scriptures from John 3, 16-17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming this light, there is love. Such great love helps us to love God and love one another. Second scripture is from Romans 13, 8 through 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that Jesus showed your love for every person, babies and children, old people and young. Sick people, sick people and those who were strong, rich people and those who were poor, come to us in this Advent season and give us love in our hearts for all people. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. This is the part of our service where we turn our attention to the Lord in prayer. And as we do that this morning, I want to encourage you to continue to be praying for those names and families that are represented in our list, in our bulletin list this morning. Uh, we want to ask that you would uh, continue to lift them up in prayer, as well as other concerns that you may know of uh, within our church family, our community, our nation, and our world. Uh, we can never, uh, never have too much prayer, that is for sure. And, and especially with everything that is going on in the world today, prayer is a great way to be spending our time and to, and to be encouraging one another in that way. I also want you to, to be in prayer. This is Christmas week. It's a time of joy and celebration. It's a time of light. And, and, but it's also, in this year in particular, a difficult time for many people. Uh, those that are isolated, those that are, uh, whether in the hospital or nursing homes or just by themselves at home. Um, plans are going to look very different for most families this year. Um, and and that can be a very discouraging thing. And so I want to encourage you to be praying for those in, in difficult circumstances, whatever that may be, in, in prayer for encouragement and peace, uh, prayer for love and hope and joy this time of year, um, because we certainly need it. And Christmas is a great reminder that the, though we face difficult times and face dark times, that God has come and his light shines through that darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So we have that hope 
that, that Christ brings this time of year to encourage us and strengthen us. As we prepare our hearts to, to go to the Lord in prayer, let's stand and let's sing our next praise song. Speaking of God's love, it's how deep the Father's love for us. here this morning, Lord, to gather as your people and to praise your name because your wounds have paid our ransom, that your death on the cross has freed us from our sin and the penalty of our sin and the guilt of our sin. And we can now stand and worship you as one body brought together through your son, Jesus Christ. And so we come to you this morning, God, and ask that your glory would be revealed here. 
Lord, help us to see you for who you are. Help us to see your goodness and your love as we worship you this morning. And help us to see your goodness and your love also in the everyday moments of life. And also in the difficulties and hardships that we face. Many people this time of year, Lord, are struggling and are hurting. There are many people who are isolated, whether in nursing homes or hospitals or within their own home, Lord, because they're unable to come out for, for, due to the pandemic. And Lord, we ask that your love and your joy and your peace would be present even in those dark times. Because, Lord, that's what Christmas is about. It's about your light shining through in the darkness. That you did not leave us in our sins. You did not leave us helpless, Lord. But you came and you rescued us. You pulled us out of the pit. And you set us on a firm place to stand. And so, Lord, we put our hope and our trust in you. And we ask that your spirit would be present with your people. As we gather here in this place to worship you, uh, here physically in the sanctuary, as there are those that are watching on Facebook and listening on the radio, we pray that your spirit would be present and help us, Lord, to know and experience the love, the hope, the joy, and the peace that this time of year represents. And Lord, we pray for those that are in difficult circumstances. We pray for those that are hurting and in need of a, a miracle. Lord, we pray for healing for them. We pray for those that are struggling to provide. And we pray, Lord, that you would provide for them. We pray for those that are hurting, that are depressed, that are lonely. And we pray that your spirit would bring them comfort. And Lord, we pray that in all things that you would work them together for the good of those who love you, who have been called according to your purpose. Lord, the good that we experience in this life may not always seem good to us. The good that you have in store for your people may not always feel good at the time. But we trust and know that your good, your will, is what is best for us, even when we don't understand or can't see it. And so we ask, Lord, for your will to be done, that your goodness would prevail, and that you would take even the things that were meant to harm us and use them for our good and for our salvation. And so we pray, Lord, that, that as families gather in whatever way that looks like this year, in person, remotely, through phone calls and FaceTime videos, Lord, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would help us to find joy in this time of year. And Lord, help us to focus our hearts and our minds on you and not those things that hinder us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This time it's, it's exciting to once again have the bells ringing, uh, this time of year especially. So we turn it over to you.
Thank you, Bell Choir. Such a joy to hear uh, hear all of the different uh, people and the gifts and the talents that God has given us on display here this morning. Um, as I was sitting here and, and listening to the bell choir and the choir, it just kind of amazed me of the just the breadth of that that we had here just today. Um, we had a, a first grader offering our prelude this morning, did an amazing job. We had our vocal choir and bell choir singing. We had the praise team and the organ. It's just such a, a beautiful way to worship the Lord this morning and using all the different facets of what that looks like. And so um, just thank you to everyone who's, who's involved in that and, and makes those sorts of things happen. Um, it's such a joy to experience that this morning as we worship the Lord together in all the different various ways that he's provided for us. Our scripture this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 8. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do not have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on a better promise. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people." No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, for the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Thanks, Mary. help if I turn my mic on, wouldn't it? Before we go to Lord in prayer, as we open our time in, in God's word together, I do want to mention a couple things I, I forgot to say earlier. One is, is our offering this morning does go to support Elizabeth New Life Center, um, which is also the, the beneficiary of our giving tree. So there's a lot of ways you can support them this morning. You can pick up another tag off the tree or get, a, get one if you haven't done so yet. Um, and bring those, bring those items back here to the church, and they'll be delivered to the New Life Center um, at the new year. Or if you're able to give this morning, we encourage you to do so. There will be uh, deacons at each one of the exits after the service today, uh, and your gifts this morning will go to support their ministry in Sydney. So plenty of ways to give. 
Also next Sunday, I just want to reiterate that Coach Carl uh, will be here to, to share a message. I'm excited that he's able to be here and fill the pulpit, and I want to uh, just, just encourage you all to be here and be a part of that service. I'm sure it'll be a good, one, a good message that he has for us. Let's open, our word, open with a word of prayer today. Father God, we come to you again this morning and praise your name. As we open our, our Bibles this morning, we, we ask that your spirit would guide us. Give, us. give us insight into your word, Lord. Help us to understand and, and put into practice the message that you have for us today. And may, may you speak in and through me, Lord, according to your will. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So before we jump right into the text, though, I do want to start by saying thank you to our Sunday school program, our Sunday school department for the program that they put on last week. Uh, you kids did an amazing job leading us in worship. And so thanks to Pastor Tori, the Sunday school teachers and helpers, and our musicians that all were a part of that. You know, the theme of ad, our Advent wreath last week was joy. And there's no better expression of joy than seeing a bunch of kindergartners, first graders, second graders on up leading us in worship and singing their hearts out to songs like Happy Birthday, Jesus. Right, we, made an, we even had a giant inflatable birthday cake up here for those of you who didn't see it. It was spectacular. Um, if you thought that was good, you should have seen Connie and Tori trying to deflate it this week. That was even better. Um, it was good. It was good. But you know, when we, when we moved the Sunday school program to part of the service last year, we did that intentionally. The program, uh, we made that move because our children and our Sunday school program are just as important as the to the ministry of First Church on Sunday mornings uh, than what normally happens here. So thank you to the Sunday school department for bringing the joy last week. Thank you for honoring God through your songs, the, skit, the skits, and the scripture reading. It was a joyful time to worship together as a church family. And so today we're going to turn our attention to a passage of scripture that may not be expected this time of year. We're used to hearing all about shepherds and angels, wise men and manger scenes. And a discussion about the function of a high priest from the book of Hebrews is probably not on the top of your list. But today, and again on Christmas Eve, we're going to look at two important passages from this letter. The passages that we're used to reading this time of year from Matthew and Luke give us an idea of how Jesus came and the circumstances around his birth. But the passages that we're going to look at today and again on Thursday night give us the why of Christmas, why Jesus came. They point to the significance of Jesus' birth and the ultimate reason why the Son of God chose to take on flesh and become human like us. And we can't truly appreciate how Jesus came. We can't truly appreciate the manger scene and the wise men and the shepherds if we don't really understand why he came in the first place. So today we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews. And, and, and it may be an unfamiliar book. We're kind of jumping in here literally in the middle of the letter. And so I want to take a moment and kind of step back and look at the book as a whole, which will help us understand where we're at in chapter 8. The letter to the Hebrews was written to explain the person and work of Christ in light of the Old Testament scriptures. It's important moments in Jesus' life, people looked to the scriptures to understand what was happening and the significance of it. When Jesus was born, the wise men, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, they came and they spoke to King Herod. And King Herod asked the scribes to look at the Old Testament prophets in order to determine where the Messiah was supposed to be born. And so at the moment of his birth, people were looking to the scriptures to help make sense of it. 
And the same was true after his death and resurrection. As Jesus journeyed along the Emmaus Road with a couple of his disciples, it was the scriptures that he pointed to. He opened the Old Testament with them in order to explain why he had to suffer and what had happened. The Old Testament is absolutely critical to help us understand Jesus better, and we would be remiss if we neglect it. Specifically, the book of Hebrews highlights the priestly and sacrificial system. One of the major themes throughout this book, and we'll see it here in chapter 8, is that Jesus is now our great high priest. He now fulfills the role and the function that the high priest served in the Old Testament. At the end of Hebrews 7, the author makes a couple of important statements. And first, in verse 24, he says that Jesus' priesthood is permanent because he now lives forever. Other high priests only serve for a period of time because they eventually died, like all of us do. But Jesus lives and reigns forever, so his priesthood will not end. There's not going to be a transition of power with Jesus. He lives and reigns and is ministering eternally in the presence of God on our behalf. And the second thing in verse 27, the author reminds us that Jesus sacrificed himself once and for all for the forgiveness of our sin. The other high priests had to offer sacrifices for themselves to cleanse themselves. They offered animal sacrifices to cover over the sins of other people. They had to do so over and over and over again because they were insufficient to completely remove our sin. Jesus didn't offer another sacrifice. He offered us himself, right? He died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. It was his blood that was shed that really does remove our sins from us. And so Hebrews 8, the chapter that you heard Maria read read for us today, goes on to explain the significance of these statements. The main point the author is trying to get at here is that Jesus, as our great high priest, has come to establish a new covenant between God and his people. The new covenant is like the old one, but it is far surpassed. It is far superior to it in every way. The old, cop, the old covenant was a copy. The new covenant is the real deal. The author says that the old covenant is a shadow of the new. If you're following along in our devotional readings, um, you would have come across this particular passage earlier this week. And the way that John Piper describes it is just beautiful. And I want to take a moment and share the, the, the story that he does in his book. He talks about, being a, uh, talks about a kid in a grocery store with their parent. And for whatever reason, they got separated and the child begins to panic. This happened to us the other day. And it wasn't the kids, it was me. Right? Allie, and I were, Allie and I were out at shopping trying to do some last minute Christmas, buying some last minute Christmas presents. And I got distracted. I picked something up. I was looking at it. Next thing I knew, Allie was gone. You know, she had it was a couple aisles over. She had just moved on without me. So I can understand what he's getting at here, but he's, he's talking about children specifically. Back to his point. He says, he says imagine that, that the image of a child separated from their parent in the store. You're in an aisle all alone, unsure what to do or where to go. And then around the corner, you see the shadow, right, of your parent about to make its, about to make their appearance. The child will be relieved, even filled with joy, not because of the shadow itself, but because of what the shadow represents. What the shadow points to is the real thing about to appear around the corner. 
So it's not the shadow, right, that is, that is significant. It's not the shadow that makes the difference, but it's what the shadow is pointing to. It's about what the shadow represents. In the same way, the old covenant is a shadow of the new. That doesn't mean it's, that doesn't mean it's bad. It does not mean that God made a mistake with the first one and he's starting over fresh. No, it means that the old covenant is fulfilled. It's brought to its completion in the person and work of Christ. And that the purpose of the old, old covenant was ultimately to point us to the new, to prepare us to receive the grace and forgiveness that only Jesus can offer. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And so the old covenant, including the temple, the priesthood, the sacrificial system, all of it pointed to the greater reality that is found in Christ. They prepared God's people to understand and receive the grace that's found in Jesus. Under the old covenant, the temple was a copy or a replica of heaven. Right? It represented God's dwelling place on earth. The most holy place at the very heart, the very center of the temple was thought to be God's throne room itself. That's why only the high priest and only once a year was allowed to enter into that place. But under the new covenant, the ministry doesn't take place in the temple. Jesus ministers in heaven in the very presence of God. After the resurrection and the ascension, Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Not a replica, not a copy, not a shadow, but the real thing. And so Jesus intercedes with us in the very presence of God the Father. Unlike the old covenant, the high priest, excuse me, under the old covenant, the high priesthood was temporary. Each one served, grew old, and gave way to the next. But under the new covenant, we have a permanent high priest. Jesus lives and ministers forever in the Father's presence. As it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. You see, we no longer need a human intermediary. We don't, we don't need a particular place to go and experience God's presence. Jesus is the only high priest we need. And through Christ, we have direct access to the Father. It's amazing, isn't it? Through Christ, we have direct access to the Father. Under the old covenant, sacrifices needed to be continually repeated. But in the new covenant, Jesus sacrificed himself once and for all. His one sacrifice was sufficient to deal with all sin, past, present, and future. That means that if you've experienced the forgiveness of Christ, it's not just your past sins that were forgiven. It's not just the sins that you're committing in this moment, but it's also your future sins. Your, your slate has been wiped clean because of what Christ has done for us. Jesus sacrificed himself in order to redeem his people. See, that was the function of the priesthood, was to offer sacrifices for people. But Jesus did that, and he gave himself for us. In Hebrews chapter 9, verses 26 through 28, it says, He has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
Just as the people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ has sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. See, the New Testament makes a connection between Jesus' sacrifice and these Old Testament sacrificial practices. Right? And specifically, it reminds us of the day of Passover. Right? You're all probably familiar with, with this, but I'll, I'll remind us once again, just so we're all on the same page. Right? When, when God rescued his people from Egypt, he did so in a miraculous way. God sent plague after plague in order to convince Pharaoh to finally let his people go. And the last of those plagues was the death of the firstborn, which meant that every firstborn child in every house in Egypt, whether you were Pharaoh or a slave, would die in a single night. But God provided a way for his people to be saved. All they had to do was take a a lamb and sacrifice it and take some of the blood of that lamb and smear it on their doorposts of their house. And in doing so, God would pass over that home and the child would be saved. When John the Baptist saw Jesus walking along the, the, the banks of the Jordan River, he looked up and he saw, and he said this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, it's not by the blood of bulls and goats that we're saved, but it's by the blood of Jesus. Even Passover itself was pointing forward to the, to the salvation that we can know and have in Christ. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of practical implications to everything I've said here today, but I want to focus on one at the moment. Because Jesus is our high priest and through him we have forgiveness of sins and direct access to God, we have confidence that God hears our prayers. This year has been difficult for everyone. Some more than others. There's no denying that. In addition to the challenges that the pandemic and the civil unrest has brought, it has also made the, the quote-unquote normal difficulties and challenges of life even more difficult. You can't visit your loved one in the nursing home or the hospital. The challenges of balancing work at home with family life, not to mention our amazing healthcare workers, teachers, and other essential workers that have been on the front line since the start of it. And all of this then should lead us to a renewed emphasis and focus on prayer. No matter what challenge you face, no matter what circumstances that you're dealing with, you can bring your prayers directly to God. And we know that the Father hears us because of everything that we just talked about. Right? Our sins are forgiven, so there's no longer a barrier that's separating us from God. Jesus, our great high priest, the one mediator that we need, is now in God the Father's presence interceding for us. This means that we don't have to go to a particular place or, or have someone else pray for us. Right here, right now, you and I can pray and have confidence that God hears us. It doesn't matter where you are. You can pray here in the sanctuary or you can pray at home. You can pray at work or when you're driving down the road. God hears your prayers. You can pray out loud or in the stillness of your heart and God will hear your prayers. You can pray with, by yourself or with other believers and have confidence that God will hear your prayers. Did you know that? Scripture says that God hears our prayers even before we pray. He knows what's on our heart and our mind. So even in those moments when we don't have the right words to say or we don't feel like we have the right words to say, we can still pray because God knows what's on our heart and on our mind. And even if we can't articulate that, even if we can't get the words out and it just comes out in in tears and silence, God still hears that as well. 
And it's all because of, of what we've talked about here this morning. And so if you're, if you're hurting, know that you can go to the Lord in prayer. If you're thankful, know that you can go to the Lord in prayer. If you're in need, know that you can go to the Lord in prayer. And all things go to him. This is possible because Jesus is our great high priest. And we have access um, to God, the Father, through him. The second half of Hebrews 8 is actually a, a direct quote from the prophet Jeremiah. Chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Again, this is the Old Testament helping to explain the significance of Jesus in the new. In this passage, the prophet highlights the difference between the old and the new covenants. And there are two things we need to notice. First, the problem with the old covenant is that it didn't deal with our sin. It didn't deal with the sin problem, I should say. No matter how many commandments were given, the problem of sin remained. There could have been 10 commandments or 10,000 commandments, and it wouldn't have mattered. The people continuously rebelled and rejected God. Even though he led them by hand through the wilderness, they repeatedly turned away from him. The new covenant, however, will be different. It'll be based on the foundation of forgiveness. That God, excuse me, Christ did what the old covenant was unable to do. Again, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 3 through 4, it says the sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But in Christ, however, our sins are forgiven once and for all. Past, present, and future sins, I've already talked about that, right, are all forgiven. And you know what that means for us? It means that, we are, that, that, that when we struggle with forgiveness, when we struggle with guilt and shame, it means that we're holding on to sinfulness that God has already forgiven us for. It means that we're holding on to things that God has already forgiven. But we're clinging to them ourselves. We need to remind ourselves that, that God has wiped our slate clean. It also means that there's nothing and no one beyond God's ability to forgive. That's the beauty of the gospel, right? That there is nothing and no one that is beyond God's ability to forgive. Pastor Tim Keller put it that we're simultaneously more sinful than we can possibly imagine and we're more loved than we could possibly dare hope. And both of those things are true at the same time, right? That we are, we are sinners in need of a Savior, but God has sent Jesus to be that Savior that we need. And it is through him, through his love for us, that we are forgiven, And that leads us to the second and final point here, that the old covenant was external. It was laws written on tablets of stone, but the new covenant is internal. It's written on our hearts and our minds. In other words, it's about a relationship that we can have with the Lord. What the old covenant was unable to do because it was all about external conformity to a set of standards, the new covenant is able to do because because God has given us a new heart. Right? In the New Testament, we're told that, the, that, the, that we are new creations in Christ, that the old is gone and the new has come. That's what the new covenant is about. It's not about conforming to an external set of standards and, and getting a pass-fail grade, but it's about receiving a new heart, being transformed from the inside out because of what God has done for us in Christ. The good works will follow. Good fruit will come when we abide in Christ and, and develop a relationship with him. As Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Salvation comes first. 
right? We are forgiven. And then God transforms us from the inside out and prepares us and equips us to live for him from that point on. And I want to close by reminding us of this. What is our theme here for today? It's love, right? The love that God has for us and has for us in Christ. And it was love that motivated God to send his son in order to save us because of God's love for creation. And there's no better passage in all of scripture to sum it up. And you heard it read earlier, John 3, 16 and 17. It was love that, that sent, excuse me, love that let the son of God who existed in perfect relationship with the father from the beginning to take on flesh and dwell among his people. Love enabled him to live a sinless life in perfect obedience to the Father. It was love that enabled him to embrace the suffering and shame of the cross. And love that enabled him to bear the guilt of our sin and shame upon his shoulders. Love demanded, demanded that he die in our place. And it was love, God's perfect, unconditional, unending love that conquered sin in the grave on Easter morning. Love gave us the the child Christ born in a manger, and it was love that also gave us the empty tomb. So don't let that love escape you this Christmas. The purpose of the new covenant is, is so that God can have a relationship with us through Christ, a restored relationship between God and his people. It's more than a one-time prayer. It's more than just going through the motions. He wants to have a relationship with you, and it can begin today. So don't go through Christmas and just move on to the next thing. Don't be distracted by the busyness of this time of year. Put your trust in him today and experience the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that comes from knowing Christ. Let's pray.